Hi, I'm Heather Bruschetti at the Business Council of New York State. I'm the president and CEO, and now I am the host of this podcast called Connect, the Business Council podcast. The Connect podcast aims to bring you the most interesting interviews with business leaders and newsmakers from around the state. And now here's the host of Connect, Heather Bruschetti. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Connect podcast. I am your host, Heather Bruschetti. This episode, we are talking to Ian Rosenblum, uh, Executive Director of Education Trust of New York, otherwise known as EdTrust. EdTrust New York is a group with the goal of eliminating equity gaps and opportunities that hold back students from reaching their full potential, especially those who are low income or students of color. EdTrust is also a part of Raising New York, a coalition of organizations and business leaders with the goal of creating available and affordable childcare in New York State. And uh, in full disclosure, I am a co-chair of Raising New York, um, and I, I want to talk about childcare. Um, so first off, thanks, Ian, for joining me here today. Um, I, I thanks just, so much. Yeah, I, I'm glad to have you. I, um, you know, as a mother of three boys who were born within four years of each other, I cannot imagine how parents are navigating this. Um, and obviously on the business side, um, the, 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 you know, the closure of schools and having to navigate childcare uh, is something that has had a huge impact on our members. And I think we'll, we'll continue to see that. But um, I, I just, um, I wanted to, to kind of dive in and talk a little bit about the press conference we just did um, and a survey on the topic of childcare in New York. So let's start with that and see uh, what your what are the takeaways from the survey and um, and how do these issues impact employers um, and employees? Absolutely. Um, you, you know, we know, as, as you just noted, and, and as I know, as the dad of, of two kids who are currently in child care, um, how much access to affordable, high quality child care uh, for infants and toddlers impacts employees and raising New York wanted to look more closely. Um, and how it also impacts employers and more generally the state's competitiveness and prospects for economic growth. And that is all the more important right now um, as we face the continued impact of the pandemic, um, which has obviously really hurt both employers and the workforce and continues to ravage communities across the state. So Raising New York worked with the respected polling firm Global Strategy Group to conduct this survey of business leaders so that we could better understand the economic impact of the state's childcare challenges. A few of the things that, that really stood out to us at Raising New York um, are that first, you know, more than one in four businesses said that they're at risk of closing in the next six months. And of those businesses, the most financially challenged uh, during the pandemic, two thirds said that financial assistance for childcare would be very helpful to their business. More generally, the majority of business leaders, 58%, said that lack of access to high-quality, affordable child care for infants and toddlers negatively impacts their business. And three-quarters of business leaders said that investing more public funds in child care for infants and toddlers would have a positive impact on their business. And so the big takeaway for us is that employers clearly recognize the connection between greater public investment in high quality childcare for infants and toddlers and the success of their own businesses. Um, it's not just about the well being of communities, it's not even just about the well being of the workforce. 
but there's a direct connection between the success of New York State's employers and the availability of childcare. So, I mean, can we, I wanted to step back for a minute and just talk about, so pre-pandemic even, childcare, um, you know, is hugely expensive um, in New York. And I, I don't know if it's different in other states, but, you know, as as my kids, sadly, I'm old and, and uh, one of my kids is already done with college. I've got one in and one going in. Um, and I can, you know, recall my, you know, when they were going to daycare, um, and I was working in the state Senate. It was it was a lot of money. It was you know about the same as say college tuition, um, at least in a public school, um, a public university. So I mean that was before the pandemic. It, the cost was already sort of prohibitive. How how has that changed? Has that changed? Um, I mean I, I have to believe there are fewer fewer slots available now. Um, what you know. What are what are the the um, sort of what is the impact of the pandemic on the cost and what efforts can we do to try and and sort of normalize it so that it's affordable um, for working parents? Sorry, that's a huge question. Yeah, that, <laughs> so. that, that that is that is the huge question. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. The cost is prohibitive for so many families. It was before the pandemic. Um, it is now as so many families are going through increased economic hardship during the pandemic. Um, and we also see fewer slots available, uh, both, um, you know, in particular in New York City, where childcare many child care providers were required to close for a period of months and then were able to reopen um, in midsummer. And even upstate, where although they weren't required to close, the economics of operating uh, forced many child care providers to close. And so we see a lot of instability in the system, um, even as some of that capacity starts to come back. Um, as we think about the challenge that you raised, I think there's both a supply and a demand side to it. Uh, on the supply side, we risk right now losing capacity for high quality infant and toddler childcare at a time when we need more of it. Um, you know, we know that childcare was a really difficult business even before the pandemic. Um, the operating model just doesn't work for so many providers. And so, Childcare providers, many home-based providers, um, as well as center-based providers, were struggling before um, the economy uh, went through all of these troubles and families went through all these troubles and really needed a lifeline um, from the state. And at the same time, we have what they call childcare deserts. Lots of places, in fact, where the majority of New Yorkers live that don't have adequate supply of childcare to meet the needs of their communities. So that's the supply side. Um, and then on the demand side, we need to make childcare, as you referenced, more affordable for families. Um, and there's a few different ways to do that. We have subsidies for childcare. Um, expanding those subsidies is one thing that occurred during the pandemic, thanks to federal funds um, that really supported the needs of essential workers. Can um, I, and at I, the same I, time, yes. Yeah. I, I want to interrupt you for a second. It's the subsidies. The subsidies go to parents, or they go to the childcare centers. And who? Where do they yeah, come so, from? So the subsidies come from um, federal funds uh, th that were came during the pandemic, and they go to parents. Um, and they go um, on, they, they're essentially scholarships. And so parents get to choose where they go. Okay. Um, and then the money actually, you know, transfers differently. But, but it's based on parent choice. Um, and then 
they're able to to use those subsidies if they qualify based on their income. Um, okay. Those subsidies go away at some point, or um, or are they permanent? Yep. So we have permanent childcare subsidies that some families are eligible for, and then there are these more temporary federal funds that are on top of that through what's called the CARES Act, one of the stimulus packages that Congress passed. Um, that are providing temporary funds during this period. And that's enabled um, expansion to focus on essential workers. I wanna go back though to something that you said about support for providers themselves. One of the real gaps that we see because the underlying um, economy of childcare is so unstable is the need for more direct support of providers so that they're able to maintain um, and even hopefully expand their operations to serve families. You can't have a stable child care system um, if the providers themselves are at risk of closing. That's obviously bad for providers, but it's also really bad for families and businesses that are counting on stable, high quality child care. Right. So, I mean, if I want to start a business, I probably shouldn't start a child care business because the, the, the metrics for making money are very difficult, right? I mean, you've got um, a sort of a minimum number of staff required, um, and you can't charge too much because people have to be able to afford it. Um, so, I mean, where where does the support? Where will the support come from? Is is there um, an opportunity? Is this something where the federal government or the state government is considering throwing some money at these centers? And you know, what are the qualifications that are required to start to start a childcare center? Yeah, so you know, I think that's, that's part of the challenge. We, we want and need um, more childcare capacity, which means there have to be more providers who are able to start in places that are underserved um, and sustain their operations. And so we need to think about what that viability of the sector looks like. Um, and obviously it costs money. Um, and so one of the things that we asked business leaders in the survey is, do you support increased investment? And overwhelmingly, the answer was yes. In fact, 92% of business leaders said that they approve of investing more public funds um, in access to high quality, affordable childcare, uh, which, which is critical. And, and in fact, when we've previously asked um, voters whether they support it, not only do they support it, but it's a high priority for them. Um, so let, let's talk about what that means, particularly in a time of a lot of economic difficulty. Um, you know, first and foremost is the federal government, which is the entity right now that is best positioned to invest. And so we've said that it is incredibly important for the federal government to enact a new stimulus package that does a couple things. Um, one of them is, of course, investing directly in childcare, um, and, and the version that passed the U.S. Congress, the, um, the House Democratic version recently, um, does exactly that. Um, so investing in childcare to be able to provide more support to families, more support to providers is a key part of the equation. So is a second part, though, and that's direct support to states um, and local governments as well. When states have to make budget cuts or local governments have to make budget cuts, that puts our childcare system as well as the broader supports for infants and toddlers and older kids and families at risk. And so not only do we need more direct federal investment now in childcare specifically, we also need to stop budget cuts 
that could hurt families with young children. And so that's another really important part of the federal job, because only the federal government is positioned now to be able to do that. In the longer term, we, of course, also need more state revenue to go into child care as the economy recovers. Uh, But the first step is making sure that we have a federal stimulus package and that that package adequately meets the needs of families, of employers, um, including child care providers. So, I mean, the funding question is a big one, right? Because the state doesn't have any money right now um, and it doesn't look like the feds are going to step up, at least before the election, and provide any significant funding to the state and local governments. So, I mean, so there are those who suggest that, you know, the way to do it is to tax employers. Now, New York is, I think, um, considered last in the country in business climate already. Um, so obviously, uh, just a tax on employers is, a, is, is something that obviously this organization as an employer organization would have a very hard time um, supporting. But, um, you know, long term, where, where does the money come from? If, if it comes from the state and federal government, they still need to have increased revenue from somewhere. Should it just be a general fund obligation? Um, and if it's that, is does it run the risk of of you know being subject to the sort of the ups and downs of the economy? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously the first step, as I said, is federal. Uh, I, I'm an optimist, so I'll say hope springs eternal that the federal government will do something because it is just so critically important. Uh, you know, obviously, hopefully that's really soon. If it's not really soon, hopefully it'll be as soon as possible. And so within the next few months, you know, th- there is still the real possibility that the federal government will act to support both states um, and child care and families. Um, and then, you know, longer term, depending uh, on November, I think there's the possibility of a longer term partnership between the federal government and states to expand access to high quality child care for infants and toddlers. And so we'll have to, you know, wait and see a bit there. And then on the state side, um, you know, again, right now, there's obviously the, the talk is about avoiding budget cuts, not about new investment in the next few months. Um, but as we look to the longer term and as the state economy recovers, we do need a greater state commitment as well to child care for infants and toddlers. Um, there's a, a line from, you know, my old days in Albany, which is probably similar to, to yours, um, you know, all, all dollars are green. So, you know, I have always said I'm a little less concerned about where the money comes from, whether it's general revenue or whether it's from a specific revenue source, um, than what it's used for, right? So as long as there's adequate funding um, to make the kind of public investment that voter support that business leaders clearly support in child care for infants and toddlers and that money is sustainable um that's where i would put the focus in the medium term yeah i mean it just it's it's always worth noting we're looking at everything right now through the lens of the pandemic right but but before the pandemic um lack of access to reliable child care was a significant problem with both attracting and retaining employees um, and also with productivity, because if you don't have reliable childcare, well, then when your child gets sick or can't go to school or, um, or, you, or you just don't have a place to send an infant or toddler during the day, um, that takes people out of the workforce. And, you know, we're, we're, we're not at that, you know, close to zero unemployment that we were previously, but 
Um, but it's but it still remains an issue as far as um, people who are in the workforce that this this is a challenge that um, continues to drive productivity down um, and limits options for employers and who they can hire. Um, sorry, that wasn't a question. That was just a, a statement on my part. <laughs> but I, you know, what's an employer to do, right? What what can they do? Um, to help their employees um, identify childcare? Um, is it something um, that employers should be getting in the business of? I mean, I know that there are examples where some of our large employers have tried to start their own daycare centers, but there's not a lot of incentives to do that, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, obviously I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you said at, at the beginning of the question. I think it's really important and it came through loud and clear in the survey as well. Um, and again, speaks to the direct relationship between access to high quality childcare for infants and toddlers um, and employers own success as businesses. And so when we ask business leaders, you know, how um, lack of access is impacting them, um, we heard very clearly that it impacts their revenue um, through absenteeism and calling off, through reduced employee um, productivity and through turnover among employees. Um, and so, you know, again, it's, it's in employers' own self-interest as well as our shared economic interest to make sure that we're addressing access to high quality affordable childcare. And so part of how employers can do that um, is I think at the policy level, it's making sure, you know, this is a, a public system, making sure that that public system is adequately resourced and that it has the reach to make sure that we're addressing the gaps in supply that probably impact many of the communities where uh, employees live, right? So there have to be childcare providers who are um, stable and who have space to grow in those communities in order to meet the needs of the workforce. Um, and then second, I think, as you said, employer, many employers have, have thought how they as individual organizations can also help meet the needs of their, their employees. And so we do see some employers that are, are um, offering childcare um, or you know, maybe a little more often partnering with great uh, providers in their community to offer childcare. Um, and so those local relationships are really important. One of the areas that we see as a big strength and an opportunity for growth um, is the way that childcare has become a, a topic in the regional economic development councils. Um, and that is really an opportunity, we think, to tie in um, access to high quality childcare for infants and toddlers to a region's economic development strategy and engage business leaders in that process um, and link it to the availability of resources as well. Right, and I mean, I was fortunate um when my kids were little, that there was a great uh, childcare. Well, actually two, I used two different um, daycares, one in Albany at Albany Med, um, and then another one in Troy at Samaritan. And, you know, I'm not gonna say that they were, um, you know, super affordable. They were, they were both, you know, it was a substantial amount of money, but they were very high quality, but they had the support of the hospitals in both instances. Um, and, um, you know, I think initially both were started um, because of the need for childcare for their employees, but then were made available to people who didn't work at Albany Med or Samaritan Hospital. Those models are are harder now, though, aren't they? Because of universal pre-K. Um, I, I mean, I my impression was that that it was the three and four year old programs where 
the staffing ratios were a little bit lower um, or higher, depending on how you think about it, but you could have more kids with one sort of instructor um, than you could at the, the much younger levels, but that allowed them some flexibility in keeping the costs down. It, they basically subsidized the more expensive components of childcare. Uh, can you comment on that? I mean, to me, that seems like an unintended policy consequence, right? We all support universal pre-K, but when you make it universally available, then the daycare centers sort of lose this pot of kids that we're subsidizing the younger kids and making it more affordable. And I, I, I may be like grossly mischaracterizing that. And if I am, please, please say so. So we, we definitely do hear that anecdotally. Um, and the, the work that Raising New York has done with the Center for American Progress on the cost of high quality childcare reinforces what you said, which is that it costs more to provide high quality infant and toddler care than it does for slightly older young children. Um, and so, you know, universal pre-K, obviously hugely important as we think about school readiness and child well-being and, um, you know, child care itself, you know, ability for parents to work. Um, so not to take away from that at all, but I think it's worth thinking about what are the implications of not having that same revenue model and it really points to the need for adequate resources for infant and toddler care, um, particularly if, if it is in fact the case that that was subsidizing um, care for younger children previously. If that's not available now, the answer obviously isn't to stop universal pre-K. The answer is to make sure that we have reliable revenue for slightly younger children too. Right, right. So, uh, you know, what, what, what is, is anybody out there doing something fabulously innovative that we ought to be looking at that, that we're not, or are we, you know, sort of at the front, uh, the front edge of this and have to be the innovators? You know, there, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, part, of, part of, as you said at the very beginning, you know, the affordability crisis is worse in New York State than it is in a lot of other places. And so I think, you know, it's worth asking, well, why is that? Part of it is that, you know, New York State um, doesn't provide the same level of support as many other places. Um, second, we have a patchwork system. So depending on what county you live in, um, your um, eligibility for subsidy will be different than someone living in the next county over. And so thinking about how we streamline all of that, um, make it work better for parents, which will in turn make it work better for employers who depend on the workforce. Um, but really all of that, I think, goes under a vision. So what is our state's vision for affordability um, and for access and for quality? And you know there is some work out there in other states, and there's a lot of great ideas about, out there about how you say, well, you know, how much should a family be paying for childcare at different income levels? Um, how do we make sure that we're addressing that that supply side of it of uh, providers having stability and being able to operate? And then how do we make sure that there's real program quality um, and transparency so that a family that's looking at childcare providers actually has meaningful information based on science um, about the quality of the providers that they're looking at. You know, all of that is doable. There are clear ways to do all of it. Um, and one of the things, you know, that you and I share is that we're part of the Governor's Child Care Availability Task Force, um, which I remain really hopeful um, is a venue to advance some of that really important thinking. 
Yeah. Um, and it's like a huge job. I mean, I, it's hours and hours of work that, that you commit to this and, and I do. And, um, and, uh, to me, it's just, it's a, you know, this is a, one of those issues that people don't, until they start thinking about it, they don't realize, um, how much it impacts the economy, um, on a, on a macro level, right? Because if you don't have people able to, um, report to work, uh, because they don't have access to childcare, or or um, because their kids are home um, and having you know having to do school remotely because of the pandemic, and these are all things that are going to at best slow down the recovery, um, but you know in some instances may prevent some businesses from even being able to reopen, um, which is is really sort of a depressing thought. And I I don't want to end on a depressing note, so. So no, I, I think that's <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's something also that the lieutenant governor says frequently in her conversations with business leaders and with audiences across the state, you know, talking about directly that relationship between the, um, uh, you know, state's economic opportunity and the importance of child care. And so, um, you know, if nothing else, I think this um, study that, that we did together with Raising New York and, and Communal Strategy Group to do with um, with business leaders um, really reinforces that connection. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of optimism there. I think the, the clearer that we can be and that policymakers can be about the connection between investing in high quality um, childcare that is affordable for families um, with strong access um, and our shared goals for a, a strong state economy uh, is really important, and it creates more opportunities to advance good policy that benefits young children, that benefits families, and that benefits employers alike. Well, I gotta um, say thank you so much for taking the time. It's a, uh, a complicated issue, um, but certainly one that is very important um, to to all of us. Um, and so, thanks thanks for joining me today. And uh, any anything else you wanna? Any last words or? Uh, no, I, I just want to thank you for, for not only having me, but but more importantly, for your leadership on this issue um, and for the Business Council's leadership on this issue, because um, just like the survey results, it reinforces the connection between having a strong childcare system and a strong economy. Thanks, Ian. Thanks very much.